Welcome to Depths of Creation, a podcast to explore your creative expression, emotions, and pleasure while you make art out of everyday life. I am your host, Rachel White, a creator, author, speaker, and your guide towards exploring and expressing the depth of your primal and sacred creative energy. Let's get into this episode. Soul for another episode of Depths of Creation. In this episode, I'm going to be diving into the gene keys of Prince Harry and Prince William. I was originally only going to do Prince Harry because I just find him fascinating, or like the the persona, the public persona of him really fascinating. Um, But then I thought it would be really interesting to look at Prince William's as well and kind of compare them to see what the differences are, what the similarities are, and if there was kind of any major difference in their profile to the choices that they have made in terms of their relationship to the royal family and their duties in life and and the way that they're living their life and in their relationships and all of that. And that kind of really sparked all these thoughts I had around our sibling relationships and how some wounding can arise because of our sibling relationships within the context of the family dynamics that we were raised in. So I'm going to talk about each of their individual profiles, pointing out some similarities, some major differences, and then dive into that kind of sibling dynamic, sibling wounding, and point to where in the Gene Gene Keys framework we can look to if we have some like wounding in terms of our in connection to any relationship we have within our family, but like with our siblings as well. Um, And I want to preface all of that by saying that I am by no means an expert on the royal family. I, I can't say like I've researched or that I know a lot about Prince Harry or Prince William outside of what the media reports about them. You know, like there were, you know, when when the Queen passed, there were a lot of people making TikToks about the family. So like I saw a lot of things and I think because they're so like um, reported on and there's always like a lot of content circling about them, you know, especially when Harry and Meghan left the royal family as well. Like there is a lot reported on them. So I know kind of like their general history I know um, kind of like the general role that each of them has in the family and like the constitution of the, the, the monarchy or the, not the monarchy anymore, but like the, the firm of like the, the royals in, in England. Um, So yeah, just to preface with all of that. So there may definitely be like some, if you know more about like Harry and William than I do, there may be like examples and and more context that you can like fill in the blanks for yourself when I'm talking about what their gene keys say. So let's start with Prince Harry. So there's two main themes that I see emerge when I look at Harry's profile. And the first is that like his purpose is the gift of idealism. And this gift of idealism is really about like this is his purpose, like the purpose 
deep within his core that is like the inner driving force for his entire story on earth and this gift of idealism being this inner driving force like it's to have high ideals and that and and in that sense like it's the ideals that really uplift them and fire them up to make change um and they're always living in this striving energy to these high ideals and ideals are different to standards which you know when I look at um Prince William's profile like he has the gift of integrity um which is about high standards but for Harry it's about high ideals it's about like how the world should be how it ought to be um for the serving of all people and and I think that you know like just with the the action that Harry is take has taken like leaving the royal family and you know, like I've heard like little clips of him many times speaking about like the treatment of his mother and now his wife and like the ideals of like how they ought to have been treated um, when that hasn't been the case, but there's still that striving energy to reach those ideals in some way. So he has that within his purpose and that purpose is expressed through his life's work gift, which is diplomacy. And I found it really interesting that he has diplomacy like as his life's work. And the gift of diplomacy is about like, really being at home within conflict because you have this such this grounded sense of when to speak, when to listen, when to act, to kind of be like the the middle person, like the diplomat. Um, so, you know, it, it's really interesting that, you know, someone with such a strong gift of diplomacy was like born into the royal family. And then the gifts he has that really enhance all of this are the gift of discrimination, like discriminating between your emotions and your thoughts or the mind and the heart. Also having the gift of humanity and like the gift of humanity is like having this gift to be the person that creates balance when other people are in distress, like being that grounding force and you can serve that purpose because you have like a deeply human understanding of emotions. Um, and you know, you, you have that, like you're like humanity, like you're a humanitarian at heart. And Harry has this like in his evolution. And, and I find this interesting, like looking at, you know, like the military work and like the humanitarian work and like everything he's done, like as part of his work with the, with the Royal family, um, which I don't know a great deal about like his motives behind any of that, but I see him like as this humanitarian at heart, like someone that deeply cares about people um, and that has experienced like a very wide range of emotion within himself. And then he has the gifts of teamwork, like being this person that can create healthy dynamics between different people, which, you know, elevates that gift of diplomacy. And then also the gift of perseverance, like this gift of needing to be in the good fight and seeing any obstacle in that fight as simply something to move through as opposed to something that will hinder that fight or stop him moving forward in any way. So I, all of that like comes together as, you know, like when I look at all of that and look at the decision to like leave the royal family and, you know, protect his family that he's building, 
all of that makes a lot of sense to me, like looking at those gifts and like the journey that it took to really be in that gift frequency. And like looking at just some of the shadows to all of those gifts that I just explained, like there's the shadows of conflict and like that inner conflict of turbulence, experience emotional, experiencing emotional turbulence in order to understand emotions and this psychosis, um, and this struggle. I think the shadow of struggle is something that was really prevalent in, um, in Harry's early life and, and for a lot of external situations and then how they influence like his inner world to be able to come into these gifts that he has. And then, so the second major theme is more of like his inner energy with the gifts of inspiration, intuition, patience, and naturalness. And he, like I, you do really see him. He's just like this naturally charismatic person. And it brings this like inner energy of like effortlessness where he just simply do he does what he feel, what he feels called to do. And it's as simple as that. And, you know, again, like I can't keep coming back to this example of like leaving the Royal family, but it's like, that was like from the outside looking in, that's a really big decision. Like in a lot of ways, like to leave his family, but to also leave like what it means to be, part of the royal family and like a working member of the royal family and like to be seen in that way and I'm sure there were many internal and family conflicts that came with that as well but it was just part of the journey it was the next step to stand for his ideals to you know to be in the fight of like to be in the perseverance like of what he's fighting for like for the ideals that he stands for and having the diplomacy to move through it in some of the ways that he did so that that is a little insight into prince harry's gene keys and now let's have a little look at prince william so again, two major themes spring out in Prince William. And I found it really interesting that they actually have a lot of gifts in common. Um, and just, but in the different positioning gave like slightly different flavors to these gifts. So for, and I find it really interesting, like when I think of Prince Harry, like I really do see his gifts in in what I perceive as how he's living his life now. But when I look at Prince William's profile and think of his life, I really see a lot of his shadows playing out. But I want to talk about his gifts first and then talk about some of the shadows as things that he may be stuck in or he may be moving through or that, you know, like I really, I think we get much less of an insight into Prince Harry, um, Prince William's life. Like, I definitely have had much less of an insight and I really just see him like as this like stoic person who is more of a symbolic thing than an actual human. Like I I don't feel like I've ever seen a lot of interviews or anything with him where I have connected with him on like a human to human level. Like whereas with Harry, like I've seen some of the things he said and, and really connect with that. But Prince William, I have a very different relationship with him or like to my to the public perception that I have seen of him. So, um, of course, like my views on his profile are going to be a little skewed when I kind of explore the meaning. But let's look at the the gifts. And um, if I was just looking at this as anyone's profile, what would I say about it? So 
the first thing that stands out is like this collection of gifts um, that makes him someone that in the highest frequency is meant to hold these very high standards, um, to hold high standards and to use any flaws that they see as inspiration to improve the standard of themselves and all others around them. Also having this gift to show great discernment, to show great discernment in terms of who to trust, what, who to follow, um, discernment between their inner wisdom and their egoic thoughts. Um, discernment is a really beautiful gift in a lot of ways. And also someone that has a very strong creative force that is meant to bring balance into the world through the gift of equilibrium. They're meant, like the people with the gift of equilibrium, and this is in his pearl, are meant to use their huge creative power to see any dysfunctional elements within the world around them and to harmonize it, to equilibrize it. And then he has like the gifts of resourcefulness and teamwork that enhance that as well. And when I saw all of that, like I did think like that sounds like a good king. Like when I think of movies that mostly movies set in kind of more ancient times where, you know, like kings had armor and swords and all of that. Like I think all of those gifts sound like a the archetype of a good benevolent king. Um which is interesting considering like Prince Harry's position in the world. And then the the second major theme comes with kind of like this more inner um, gifts that I see as more connected to like his inner world is someone that is really meant to have this very like unique style, magnetic personality and just have this like delight for life that brings freedom to all. And Prince William has like these gifts of magnetism, naturalness, like Harry had naturalness as well, but it, it comes through in a very different way for William. With He also has the gifts of acceptance, delight, freedom, and style. Like he's meant to be this creative rebel with a lot of personality. And I find it really interesting. I watched, I only watched like season one of The Crown, um, but something that was, you know, and I, and I can't say how much this relates to like their real life, but what I found really interesting in that was how much talk there was of like people in the royal family not being allowed to hold their own opinions. Like they're not there to have an opinion and they're not even meant to show emotion or their thoughts and things like that and I find that like very constricting to someone with these gifts that is meant to be like very um quirky and unique in the world and and have like this really like charismatic just naturally magnetizing energy but so when I look at all the shadows that William has like this the so these are some of his shadows that really stood out to me like the shadow of dullness of seriousness, of mediocrity, judgment, corruption, and constriction, and interference as well, um, and inadequacy. And those, when I look at those shadows, like, that is really how I see Prince William, like, someone that is controlled, like, someone that, like, has this pressure 
to present themselves as someone who is dull, um, that, you know, doesn't have a unique personality. Like they need to be like, that can't show their own emotions that can't have too strong of an opinion on or a personal opinion on anything. Like, and just that, you know, that, that dullness that comes from not being allowed to be your full self. And then that seriousness that takes away like the rich appreciation from life that we're meant to have. And then like the, the constriction to start closing off your heart and closing off emotions because there's no acceptance of who you really are. The judgment that comes from only seeing flaws, but not being able to actually be in the gift of integrity to uphold the high standards. The you know, the shadow of corruption, which I think speaks for itself whenever we look at any kind of political grouping of people. And the shadow of inadequacy is what he has like within his core wounding. And I find this really interesting to just ponder upon like someone who was born to be king, someone who was born like into the position that he was born to in life. Like, is there this in a sense of inadequacy like is there this inner questioning of like is does he actually deserve the life that he's living does he deserve the positions that he has been given and does he deserve it all even though he's never truly like being himself at least publicly so when I like and I think this goes for both like Harry and William like I'm exploring their profiles as if they are characters in a story that I'm seeing and you know this is what I'm basically doing for every celebrity and public figure that I explore because I don't know them personally and I certainly don't know what's happening within their inner thoughts and their inner emotions and their inner world and even the external lives they're living I'm by no means like seeing all of that either but it's really interesting like to this everything that I'm exploring is like in the exploration of the gene keys and of understanding story archetypes and understanding them, how we see and perceive them in others to form a deeper understanding of ourselves and of our own inner world. And none of what I said is like to place any any judgment or any criticism on the way that Harry or William are living their life or how anyone that I've explored their profile are. It's just to see like within the stories that we see within everywhere we look in life, like how can we see these themes and these storylines of the jinkies that are imprinted and encoded in all of life? And then how does that influence our perception of our own storylines that we are seeing? So I did, I just felt called to mention that. Okay, so when we look at those two profiles, we see like two very different people um, and two people that are designed to live in very different ways. And when we look at like the the sibling dynamic, the sibling relationship they have had within the family dynamic they were born into, again, like let's look at this as a fictional story, like just as a story we're looking at. Um, and there's, so there's the the imprinting of who they were born to be and the gifts that they were born to evolve into. And then there's also the the situation that were bo- they were born into, that, like, William was the first born, you know, in, in line to be king, his kids, like, in the succession line after him, and Harry born as the second child who was probably afforded more freedom in his choices in a lot of ways because he never had that pressure but there was still always that 
possibility. Um, like we know that Queen Elizabeth's father wasn't born to be king. Like his brother abdicated, so he became the king. Um, so there was always kind of that like that chance that Harry could take the throne, but he wasn't born to do it. So then we have like this, and again, like if you, I've I haven't watched the season of The Crown where Prince Charles is in it as like a teenager, but I've seen so many clips of it, like on TikTok and stuff, that I feel like I've almost seen the whole season, and. And again, I don't know how much of this is based in reality, but, you know, Charles was born to be the king. It's like he waited his whole life to fulfill the role in the world that he was meant to have. And we can see like the inner conflict that 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 gave to him, like being forced to marry someone who he didn't really want to marry and not being able to marry the person that he wanted to. And then all the awful things that that led to like with princess diana with harry and william like losing their mother but with them also being born into the world um so many so many plot points to this story when we look at the lives of harry and william so when we look at the the sibling like the dynamic of their family so they have a father who is essentially waiting for his own mother to pass in order for him to fulfill his role as king and then they have their mother who passed away very tragically when they were very young. I think they were, you know, young teenagers. And then even while their mother was still living, there was, you know, divorced parents, whole broken family. And then on top of all of that, their lives were heavily publicized and with a lot of expectation and rules and and all of that. So there's all these factors like within the dynamics that they were raised in and the family they had and our lives and our lives with our family and our siblings don't need to have all of those elements to have its own unique set of elements and dynamics that contribute to the wounding we feel as children. But this is a really interesting question that I want you to ponder. It's like, were we was it predetermined that we would have the issues we have as adults because of our jinkies imprinting or like our story being predetermined and written in the stars in some way? Or are we the way we are because of the childhood we lived? And I think there are strong arguments for either way. And I think it depends on the experiences you've had and kind of the the frameworks that you more closely follow that will determine your answer to that. But I think it's a really interesting combination of both. Because like if we look at our gene keys and, and the shadows that are imprinted within our DNA, they, they manifest in different ways because of the experiences that we've had. And the experiences we've had largely determine how easily we move out of our shadow and into our gift frequency but the shadows are the same and we can think of you know like Harry has like that shadow of struggle in his culture and that like also that shadow of psychosis and I think that and like the shadow of conflict and turbulence and I think all of those shadows kind of really um you know like you think of like a young boy like who loses his mother in any kind of situation of course there is going to be emotional turbulence and it is that turbulence that gives rise to that that gift of humanity and like being able to deeply understand the emotions of others but when we look at William who who doesn't have that jinky with active within his profile, of course he's still experienced like 
deep emotions with the passing of his mother like of course we would we would assume that but different shadows would have been played out within that experience so we can have the exact same experience as someone else but we'll have different shadows playing out within our internal world that have different external manifestations as well anyway this is a very big topic that i'm not going to go any deeper into now but what i do want to talk about is sibling relationships and wounding that can happen in our relationship with siblings and i have four siblings myself like we grew up and i grew up in a family with like five kids and it's always really interesting for me to like reflect on the relationship i have with my siblings as like a whole sibling group and as them as like individuals as well and there's so many things that can happen in our childhood that influence the relationship that we have with our siblings like our relationship with our parents can influence our relationship with our siblings our relationships with other people can influence these sibling sibling relationships as well but sibling relationships are always really interesting because you know that especially when we grow up with our siblings it can be different again if there's a big age gap or if um if you didn't grow up like um, with your siblings but siblings that you grew up with it's interesting because like they're the people that we know from like our birth and we go through all of our um all of our core developmental phases with them of like developing our self-identity deciding what we want to do when we go out into the world as adults and um and often we have relationships with them as adults as well but it's it's different because you know we're not seeing them every day and actually growing up with them um you know we probably see them a lot less frequency but there's a lot of wounding that can happen when you live so closely with someone or with a small group of people over such a long amount of time especially while you're navigating your own shadows and navigating your own like coming of age story and sometimes the internal experiences we have can really be projected onto our siblings just because like the proximity that we have to them and sometimes it's on our parents but sometimes it can really be on our siblings as well and we can attribute like this blame or this shame or this anger or any kind any kind of like resentment towards our siblings for the things that we experienced as children especially if we have like these opposing views in life or like these opposing gifts or just like a different journey to what they had so regardless of like what the wounding is where to look to in the jinkies for healing around these childhood wounds that you have with your siblings or parents or really in any kind of relationships is the deep work that is done within the venus sequence like the venus sequence is all about relationships and opening our heart and our heart often closes because of wounding within our closest relationships and as children these closest relationships are with our parents with our siblings with whoever we spend a lot of time with often within our family or whoever we are most around as children in the venus sequence in the gene keys you know it's if you look at your profile it's all the red spheres there are six of them and you go through this journey of like going back in time and your so your iq so let's start with so the sq is from zero to seven years old and then the eq 
is from 8 to 15 or 14. And then the, the IQ is that 15 to 21. And so they, like, if you think about all the changes that happened in your life, like through those like seven year time periods of those three spheres, like so much happened. And you're, if you have siblings, your siblings and also your parents were a really big part of those big changes that you were personally experiencing in your life at those at the at that time. So when you look at the Venus sequence and you go through them in reverse order, so you start with the IQ, you start with the outer mental armor that you've put on, and then you go into the emotions and then you go into the heart of the SQ. And as you travel through those time periods and look at your shadows and look at the stories that were deeply ingrained and imprinted during those time periods, like your siblings are very likely to be be a big part of that again if you do have siblings um but your family in in any capacity like whatever your family was made up of so the going through the venus sequence can be incredibly healing in forgiving like letting go of resentment that we have towards any family member but especially siblings because if we think of the role that they actually had they were like innocent children at the same time that we were in most cases And being able to like reopen our heart in any way that we've hardened it because of those experiences, because of any differences or conflicts or anything like, and and things that your parents were actually more at fault with, um, can be incredibly like healing to yourself and also your relationships. And this isn't to say that you need to have a relationship with any person, but the relationships that you were born into, like mostly with your family, are ones that hold some of the hardest mirrors up to us for us to look into in terms of taking full responsibility for how we contributed to whatever situation we're holding on resentment or like heavy energy on that is making our heart closed. So the Venus sequence is a very powerful place to this. And if you want to explore the Venus sequence, the Gene Keys like organization is holding their Venus sequence virtual retreat. It is a six month virtual retreat. It starts in November. So only like a few weeks away. And that is going to be an incredible experience. If you want to do this kind of inner child, inner healing, opening of the heart, um, and really like just like an experience of love and deepening your experience with love and healing all the aspects that are closing you off to love in any way, which can very much be related to our family relationships, like as we were growing up. So if you want to do that, I do have an affiliate link to the retreat. And for anyone that signs up through my affiliate link, I am going to also hold an extra monthly call to have like a group that is more intimate and consistent through the whole experience and to have my guidance through the whole experience within those monthly calls. And within the actual virtual retreat, like there is so much, like there are training calls, there are group community calls, but like in those group community calls, there's going to be thousands of people in the experience which is an amazing amplifier and then they hold calls that have like breakout rooms so you'll have conversations with a group of say like four to six other people um, but they'll be they will be different people 
every time. So you'll have that, which will be amazing and, and so much more. Like you'll have all the kind of training material within the course and you'll have these beautiful guided meditations um, audios for like your jinkies. Like there's so much, like look at the link that is in the show notes, show notes to look at what is included in the virtual retreat. And then in addition with me, you'll have like this really beautiful, like intimate space where you have like the more consistent connection for the six months to explore things and like build on that exploration throughout the six months as well. So if you would like to join that experience, if, 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 the Venus sequence sounds like something you want to explore within the gene keys. I highly recommend looking into it and reaching out to me if it is, um, any, if you have any questions or anything like that. And if you're really new to the gene keys, I do generally recommend that you start with the activation sequence. And that is the, the general guidance within the gene keys as well. Because the activation sequence is what gives you your physical grounding in core stability in order to move into the emotional depth that you will meet within the Venus sequence. But also every point is an entry point. So if you feel called to go dive straight into the deep end and go straight into the Venus sequence, then that is of of course your choice and something you may be intuitively called towards. And you may want to have that that little bit of physical grounding first. So if you want to explore your activation sequence with me and do a deep dive before the Venus retreat or towards the start of the Venus retreat, you can reach out and we can organize that. Or, um, Or you can join the next Venus retreat, which will probably be in a year's time, like if it is run again, um, which I'm not sure on. But this one that's coming up will be a beautiful six month, like so much spaciousness to really dive into everything that is going to be explored and so much like really beautiful emotional depth will be explored in this experience as well. Um, So I would love to have you join. I'm going to be doing the experience as well and I'm really looking forward to holding the space um, for anyone that wants that little bit more of an intimate support group as well. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening to this and I hope you enjoyed exploring. I know I went on some like tangent riffs um, in there. I didn't have much planned before I started recording. So have an amazing day, sending you so much love and um, let me know if you love this episode. Let me know if there's anyone you would love to see me explore. Definitely check out my other episodes if you love listening to me explore people's jinkies profiles. Anyway, sending you love. Have an amazing day. Hope to connect more with you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Connect with me at by Rachel White to continue this conversation. I would always love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me in your stories or leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful day.